0: You are listening to the Gay Florida Man podcast. This podcast is hosted by retired corrections officer, Mark DeWolf, who will discuss various topics prevalent to corrections, gay culture, arts and entertainment, as well as current events. Listeners need to be advised that this podcast will discuss situations involving extreme violence, substance abuse, sexual assault, and murder. Details of actual events have been modified so as to protect the privacy of involved parties. Welcome back to the Gay Florida Man podcast. This is episode three. If you've been listening the last couple of episodes, we've talked about things relating to prison. Today, we're going to do something completely different. We're going to be talking about gays and horror. Now, anybody that knows me knows that I am a huge fan of anything scary. And this goes back to when I was a kid and I used to turn my parents' basement into this haunted house every October and then drag all the kids from the neighborhood through the haunted house and scare the shit out of them. And then in the summer times I would go up to Aaron's house up the street and he had two older brothers and they would have the most current slasher movies. I'll never forget watching Friday the 13th part two. And I was immediately hooked. Love those memories, love those times. But to understand really kind of the relationship and some of the things we're gonna be talking about on today's podcast, we need to have a little bit of a history lesson. In 1930, the Motion Picture Production Code was introduced, okay? This was also known as the Hayes Code. It was named after William H. Hayes. He was the president of the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America. Now, what this code was, it was like a a set of guidelines for all motion pictures that prohibited profanity, suggestive nudity, graphic or realistic violence, sexual perversions, and rape. Now, this was all kind of like uh, outdated in 1968. That was... The, the Hayes Code was replaced by the Motion Picture Association of America, their rating system. And that's the system that we have in place today. It goes from general audiences, your G rating, all the way up to my favorite, which is, of course, X. Now, LGBTQIA. Now, this is no shit. I had to look that up. It's going to eventually be the entire alphabet by the time I die. Now, they're supposed to be all accepting, right? Like, everybody's accepted. But for a long time, horror fans were the weirdos. And I'm, I'm the one that's going to sit here and say, yes, people will look at you and say, okay, you're gay, cool, whatever. But what's your fucking fascination with horror films? This makes no sense. People come into my house and they see all the movie props, the movie posters, the autograph pictures. They know I go to conventions. They're like, what is your fucking hang up, man? Now, things have definitely changed. And it's crazy. Gays are now a formidable group in the growing horror fandom. Joining me today, a wonderful friend, a wonderful gay, and a wonderful horror fan. Everybody, please give a warm welcome to my good friend, Robbie. Hello, Robbie. Um, Happy Friday the
1: 13th. Happy Friday the 13th.
0: (laughs) So, uh, you're gay and you love horror. Are you a weirdo too?
1: Um, All of that is incorrect. I apologize. I am... Uh, a heterosexual yes i am uh flaming hot cheetos i am very gay yes
0: (laughs) i like the analogy i was just about to say well if you're straight then that ends this particular episode episode three of the gay gay florida man podcast thanks for joining us so Uh, so let me ask you this okay did you get judged i mean i know that i'm 50 so i'm an old man you're a younger generation The fact that you're gay, but then you have this passion for horror movies. Did you feel the judgment I did?
1: Very much so. Uh, Growing up, it it seemed as though I fell in love with horror. And um, I I got my passion for horror film and everything horror-related, scary thrillers, all of that stuff from my mom, who, uh, ironically enough, is a little bit more scared of things now. Um, She doesn't love horror (laughs) as much because I think as you get older... I think she uh, now considers the possibility of all of this bad stuff happening. But nonetheless, uh, I grew up uh, surrounded by horror and aliens and ev- all of that stuff. So I felt a big passion about this this genre. Um, and then getting older, um, as I got older, talking to people about horror and pe- a lot, I found a lot of people that just couldn't relate. They were too squeamish or they were too scared or it's uh you know it made them feel uncomfortable, whatever it may be. So I found myself a little bit limited. And then going into, you know, as I was coming out and being immersed into the LGBTQ plus community, I felt even more so, I guess you could say, isolated with my with my immense love of horror. It seemed as though I didn't fit in with the the norm of you know rom-coms or LGBTQ plus films that were more focused around nudity and sexuality and very hairless Abercrombie and Fitch models that <laughs> happened to fall in love at a in a small town. I I just didn't I didn't fit in with that because I loved the murder, the blood, the slasher, the scary, the uncomfortable, the weird. And I couldn't relate to a lot of people. So that was a little bit difficult.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So, you know, I, I sent you an article and we'll talk about this later on. I think it's interesting that there's going to be a, a film coming up called They and Them. And it's got Kevin Bacon. We'll go into the details later. It's interesting because as they were interviewing one of the individuals, uh, John Logan, it's his directorial. Am I saying correct. this correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, debut is this film. And he talks about loving horror movies, as long as he can remember, I think because monsters represent the other. And as a gay kid, I felt a powerful sense of kinship with those characters who were different, outlawed or forbidden. And did you have a connection, do you think, like with a lot of the characters in horror movies? I mean, do you relate to what he's saying?
1: That is a very good question. I felt as though I don't know i I honestly can't can't say that i i i felt that i I felt a little bit more uh, the attraction or or the i guess the interest in horror was the the fight for survival more so that, okay that's what intrigued me and whether or not you can relate that to coming out and you know fighting to be who you are in such a conservative in my case with your I'm sure you're familiar with of course being from Utah and being born and raised here very conservative very religious I felt as though that subconsciously and I I was interested in being the the person that was going to overcome all of the challenges and maybe I I took interest in the characters that were you know being put against something dangerous a villain a killer whatever it may be and fighting to survive. And I was doing the same thing in life okay, with, you know, okay. rejection and people not understanding and not willing to help. And I thought, you know, it's me against the world at this point. And I have to do what I have to do to survive. And maybe, uh, maybe there's something in there. I don't know. I haven't given much thought, but that's interesting that you brought that up. Cause I can kind of see that.
0: And I love your response. That's fascinating. That's great. What was the first, like, well, first of all, what was your, your mom's favorite horror movie? Like the movie that she was excited to to show you?
1: Oh, good one. That I would probably say, actually, actually, it wasn't even a movie. I would say that my mom made it a point to include me into a very weekly, religiously uh, viewing of X Files. That was, that is by far her favorite. And I think that was more so. (laughs) The weekly dose of weird, strange, creepy, scary, (laughs) uh, all kinds of supernatural stuff. And that was probably one of the biggest inspirations into horror was all of the possibilities of things that are out there, whether they be extremely superficial and, uh, you know, completely out there, out of the box things or things that have relation to you know, true story kind of stuff, I fell in love with that. So there wasn't really any kind of movie that she introduced me to. Um, I know that my mom is a big Michael Myers fan, and I think that's where I got my interest or my (laughs) passion and love for Michael Myers. So I want to say, if anything, it probably was the Halloween franchise, specifically John Carpenter's, which is my favorite all-time horror movie. But for the most part, my mom, she kind of kept it somewhat tame. If there was anything that was graphic, she was definitely not letting me watch it with her. Uh, so I kinda had to watch those things on my own. But yeah, I yeah, it was I had have to say X Files kind of kicked everything off, I'm not gonna lie.
0: You know, it it's because you know, Halloween is really not that bloody of a of a slasher horror movie. Of course it was it was a breakaway hit. It was a huge success, but you watch the film and it's, it's really not that bloody, but then you look at Friday the 13th that came out later and it showed a lot more of the blood and gore. And it's interesting because that's what really appealed to me. And it, it, my parents, they were okay with letting me watch people get stabbed and cut up and, and sliced and diced. But if it came to a woman's breasts, Oh no, 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 and, and i I was raised in a household. I was not allowed to watch Three's company because the character Jack had to play this game like he was gay in order to live with two women. so he acted gay and feminine, and of course that was uh the kind of the comic relief for a lot of that show, and that was absolutely off limits inappropriate no way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So I understand about growing up in a conservative environment like you did in Utah. I, I definitely in Virginia, uh, going to Catholic school and in a Catholic uh, household. My father was a Marine, uh, ultra conservative, and so there was definitely restrictions on a lot of a lot of film. Let's go back in history. Let's talk about like the evolution of horror and and how it plays into the 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 gay culture. I got to mention Psycho, nineteen sixty. Um, Yes,
1: yes.
0: (laughs) You know, an absolute favorite, even though it's just a character with a split personality who dresses up as his mother. uh, It's interesting that Anthony Perkins was cast in that role and he had a very overbearing mother. I, I read the book Split Image and it talks about his whole life, his whole history. And he was a gay man. He accommodated Hollywood. And he took a wife, and I'm sure he absolutely did love his wife, Barry Berenson. It's interesting that, that Alfred Hitchcock cast him as the part of Norman Bates and the character. Even back with Psycho, if you listen to some of the wordy, you can't help but wonder if it's a little bit homophobic. Because when Norman is carrying his mother into the basement, and it's shot overhead, so you can't tell it's a corpse. You just think it's an elderly old woman as he's taking her down to the, the fruit seller, mm-hmm. and he's talking back and forth he's doing both voices as he's talking to her and as he's carrying her down you know she says no i will not hide in the fruit cellar ha you think i'm fruity huh and so is that is do you think that's homophobic do you think it was written because the term fruity is definitely one of the derogatory expressions for somebody that's gay that guy's a fruit
1: yes i i found that interesting as well because when when somebody were to say that it it can't it very much so depending on who it is is derogatory and at that time as well that was extremely derogatory but that was also almost the norm in saying are you you're you're gay you're you're queer you're you're something along you're something in that category but nonetheless in that context derogatory yes but also i think it was a little bit more of a a jab to him saying you know i know who you are and i i'm aware of who you are really i guess you could say that mm-hmm. you think i'm fruity as well almost a almost like a low blow to him saying the the mother saying you know i've known all along i'm not going to be fruity like you I, I I interpreted it that way, so I that's interesting. I very much so think that that was a little bit of a a low blow to him from his psyche of his mother.
0: Well, sure, I see what you're saying. Like, it's definitely. I mean, and and I definitely had a major insecurity as I started to realize my sexual orientation, and I realized that I'm the the odd man out. I'm different than other kids, and when I started to hit puberty and I realized these other boys, my age are talking about this girl or that girl in grade school. And I'm like, uh, I, this is something's wrong. Something's different. Like, why am I not having these feelings? So I I can see what you're saying. It's, it's interesting that early on in the film, he says a man's best friend is his mother and he has a real connection with his mother. (laughs) Just a little bit. You know, I got to say, footnote on this, Um, Anthony Perkins ended up passing away from AIDS in 1992. He had directed part three, kind of typecast in a lot of ways, and, you know, would only be called in for a lot of the horror films. This is an interesting detail. His wife, or his widow, rather, Barry Berenson, she died on Flight 11, American Airlines. uh, She was on the plane that went into the North Tower of the World Trade Center.
1: (sighs) That is the craziest thing. I don't know. There are certain things that kind of give me a weird feeling, and that's definitely one of them where whatever you want to call it, just the suspicion behind it, the 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 coincidence, the irony, I don't know. It's just odd an odd feeling to know that. That's that's different. crazy. <laughs> crazy. You
0: look at history, and so Hollywood was homophobic, and a lot of that, I think, stems from the influence of the Catholic Church. When you look into the the Hayes Code uh, prior to the Motion Picture Association of America rating system, you have some other things that are happening in our culture or in the United States. Uh, 1969, it's a big date for homosexuals because of the Stonewall riots with the police doing constant raids and kicking the shit out of gay guys. And mm-hmm. finally, in 1969, the riots happened and it started up the, the Pride Festival every year uh, where we celebrate... We embrace diversity, and we have a reminder yep. of what happened in New York. In 1972, This because the 70s is kind of interesting. I'll get to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but in <laughs> 1972, you've got Deliverance, which has a very graphic mail-on-mail. It's not a horror movie, but the idea of what takes place is scary as hell, where you have a guy get raped, a male on male rape. I did we watch that when you visited when you and your husband visited?
1: I believe I believe so. I love that movie. Uh yes, I believe we did.
0: It's it's a creepy, creepy movie. If if you haven't seen it, it's not a horror movie, but I'm telling you it it's terrifying. And it it was visually shocking. But that was nineteen seventy two. Scary as hell. Not a horror movie, definitely brought up the whole issue of gay sex anyways whether mm-hmm. invited or not. Um 1975 Rocky Horror Picture Show. Is that a gay movie? I know it's not a horror movie. It's it still plays every year somewhere in the United States probably every weekend. You know, people go in with their rice, their their uh, water bottle, their lighter.
1: <laughs> it is the gayest movie. I that film by itself was probably one of my eye-opening moments where I felt (laughs) as though I knew that there was something. So watching that film and then talking to other people, I found that the people that had watched it were all either LGBTQ plus or extreme allies to the LGBTQ plus community. And I felt as though This is a gay movie or not even a gay movie. This is a film that invites all of the people that are inclusive. I think through and through, I I almost could go out and say, have you seen Rocky Horror Picture Show? And they would say, yes, I'd be like, okay, you're cool by me. I would know at that point that that is a safe person because of the content and the way the film is played through and all of the topics and the subjects and everything it touches on. I feel as though the people that are drawn to that movie or love that movie or enjoy that movie are people that are these individuals that are more accepting of the hu- everything in the human spectrum, everything. And I, 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 like I said, when I watched that, and I found out that the more the majority of people that have seen it are a part of this LGBTQ plus or allies, I knew right then and there that 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 I was I was something other than, in my opinion, heterosexual. Mm-hmm. And this was mm-hmm. early on, of course, and I think I watched it before I even knew what the hell the movie was about, for the most part. <laughs> but nonetheless, I felt drawn to it, and I felt as though this movie is. Beyond just entertainment value, it's something great. It's fucking fucking great. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. (laughs) It's hard to put into words.
0: You know, well, I know for me, when I was young, I saw Rocky Horror Picture Show. Holy shit, that sounds scary. Now I'm a kid and somehow I get a hold of this movie or I see it on TV. I don't know. But I watch a few minutes of it, I'm like, what is this shit? And I'm really disappointed. I want (laughs) to see Chainsaws. I want to see Jason. I want to be scared. What is this crap? Frank and Furter, what? And so I I was very disappointed by Rocky. (laughs) And then I I got an appreciation later, The Gay Love of Camp. And that movie is, uh, it's a very fun movie if you see it with the right crowd. If you watch it at home, alone and you watch it on video, it's not as fun. It has a great soundtrack. And I, I definitely, when I have a Halloween party, I, I definitely have uh, the soundtrack as part of the playlist for the parties. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we evolve into the eighties. Gay bashing seemed to be pretty common terms like fag, homo, gay, queer, whatever, even in John Hughes movies, which is, which is kind of sad that it was so normal mm-hmm. to, to trash uh, gays. And They were often uh, comical or stereotyped. If you you look at movies like Beverly Hills Cop and Airplane, a very uh, outgoing gay guy that was very funny, you know, also very stereotypical, maybe not not the best image. It also coincides with 1981, Ronald Reagan was in the White House, and you have the AIDS epidemic starts. Very sad time for gays a lot of your very conservative christian groups are saying this is your punishment for your uh sin yes yeah. it's the aids virus which is really terrible 1983 we see this horror movie called sleepaway camp and it brings up the whole idea of transgender from the parents that are gay the the, the lead girl did you have you seen that movie robbie
1: yes yes okay. i have
0: it's a very shocking film. I remember seeing it, um, I think I was in eighth grade and it was a great film. I, as I look at it now, the the acting is is pretty questionable. <laughs> but the subject matter is pretty shocking. It's a great horror film. And uh, the, the lead actress, I, I met her at a convention in Orlando and she's just an absolute sweetheart. And the gays just, they flock to her, they love her. She's royalty amongst the gays. That's but, uh, incredible. <laughs> yeah, if you ever get a chance to uh, to meet her, she's, she's awesome. She's, she's fantastic. That gets us up to 1985, and we have probably the most talked about gay... Well, I'm going to say horror movie with gay subte- subtext. Some people say it's not gay subtext. What are your thoughts? Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2.
1: Oh, man... Lots and lots and lots of thoughts about this. The context within that film, I feel as though when I watched it originally, I was a bit younger. And it seemed as though I felt almost uncomfortable for the actor. Because of his portrayal, I felt I was not necessarily watching myself on screen. That's a little bit dramatic. Nonetheless, I felt as though I almost identified with him. And mm-hmm. I, but, but, so, and then fast forward, I hadn't seen it for such a long time. And as of the last, I think I watched it, not necessarily recently, but I want to say at least six or seven years ago, it had a different, completely different tone or feeling to it. Now that I'm older and I feel like I've experienced more and there was more self acceptance with myself, and I am for the most part, I found myself, I know exactly who I am. Mm -hmm. I felt more empowerment for the character, which unfortunately when the movie was released, the critics and the, the controversy surrounding the film was super fucking terrible and it ruined his career basically. Right. Right.
0: It's uh, it's interesting. As I look back, I watched the movie and I, I saw it in the theater when I found out that there was going to be a sequel. I saw the first one, the first Nightmare on the Street in the theater. And then, so the second one comes out and I remember the visual of the pool party. And I just thought that was amazing with that flame behind Freddie. And he says, you're all my children now. And, and I loved it. And, you know, you've got the body and I've got the brain and he rips off the skin and you see the pulsating brain. Yeah, I was young enough where I really didn't look at it and say, there is some gay themes in this. To me, it was a a horror icon that I loved. I love Freddy Krueger and it was fantastic. It was new. It was different. It was, you know, so much more different than a slasher. Mm -hmm. this guy in the dreams and so I didn't really see I mean I feel so bad for Mark Patton because everything that was happening behind the scenes of course I I had no idea I had read online years and years later the hell he went through I fell in love visually with the movie I didn't think it was maybe the the best one but I thought it was fantastic and I didn't really read into the 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 gay themes i being gay i definitely love the the two characters mark patton and uh his his best friend brady or yep. brady great i I, yeah. I was just i was really hoping that they would hook up <laughs> <laughs> i really i think that would have been so hot i mean when i got to the point where i was like you know actually having feelings and sexuality i was like oh my god those two would be great together like, you know, I wish Vivid had actually produced this movie, but anyway, <laughs> the, uh, you know, you didn't get the whole story of Mark Patton. And if you have not seen the movie Scream Queens or Scream Queen, rather, it's the story of Mark Patton and what he went through because he was so thankful that he had finally achieved his dreams. He was in Hollywood. He had landed this major movie. He had reached success and this movie came out. And so much of the blame of the movie's failure was put on him. The writer had put in these gay themes in this movie, and Mark Patton was like the lead. And where typically it was a female lead in other horror movies. Yep. It, just because he's screaming, and, and people who don't have never been in the business have never been an actor on a movie set or gone through the process. You know, the director tells you how he wants you to play the part, and if you've got versatility as an actor, then you're gonna he's gonna give you direction and he might want you to do this or do that it might be subtle but that's how he wants the character played yeah not there's not a lot of liberty typically given to an actor it might be if you're say Tom Cruise then you're going to call the shots because you're the mega star of the movie you're going to sell that film but when yes. you're in, when you're an actor on a film and a director saying, Okay, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, and here is this this kid that's up and coming. He's 25 years old, he does this movie, he does it the way that the director wants him to. And the director's going off of a script where things are written by the writer, and you know, he plays the part, and people say you scream like a girl. He screams like somebody that's dying. As I watch the movie and I listen to him scream, I think it's amazing. I thought Mark did a great job, and they threw him under the bus.
1: A hundred percent. They, it, I think that it also goes into the masculinity thing and the well, for one, toxic masculinity where mm-hmm. men don't scream. You know, man, God forbid, or cry, a man. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel as though that. I, I mean, currently, I feel like that's also kind of being broken down a little bit more so when toxic masculinity has been is being addressed and i think more people are understanding and that but at that time it was very weak it was very embarrassing you men don't show emotions if you're a man in a horror movie and you're you know fighting to survive and you if god forbid you anything comes out of your mouth it's a yell it's a shout but you don't scream right and that's bullshit so god forbid Anybody gets the shit scared out of them at any moment of the day, at any time, nobody's gonna be like, ah, uh, you got me. No, are you fucking kidding me? You know, I'll shit myself and I'll scream to the top <laughs> of my lungs if, you know, my husband pops out of the goddamn bathroom without any notice. So, I, you know, unfortunately at that time, it was very, it was that masculinity aspect that got him. And that's terrible. Because yeah. in reality, that's not the way it fucking works. but nonetheless, I, he still he took the blame. He took the he got thrown under the bus for for acting, for acting like any goddamn person would in that situation
0: it's It's really sad because the movie comes out, uh, Mark's agent said, you're you can only be a character actor. you can't you can't play straight." It was all because of Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, and I think that's that's really sad. I mean, I'm glad. I, I think we've evolved, and I think we've gotten better. I think there's obvi- always going to be, you know, people that are homophobic or have issues, or, you know, have their own belief system on, you know, who can play what. I I know that when I was doing some acting in Utah, it's like there was casting directors that would only see me for the parts of like police officer or FBI agent or security guard. You know, I could never go in and read for some other various uh, character. I could never go in and read for, say, like, uh, you know, bus driver. They, they would not let me come in and read for parts unless it was some type of, like, government official sort of thing. So Interesting. That, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting, Robbie, because so much of horror has now been produced by gay people. If you look at Clive Barker, Hellraiser, Candyman, Nightbreed. Yep. Oh. He's he's produced some of like blockbuster films. And you know, here's a gay guy coming up with some of the, the greatest um horror icons. Then you got Don Mancini. He created Chucky, Child's Play. And oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. You know, if you look at like the Child's Play series, you know, he brought in John Waters. Uh, I think it was Seed of Chucky. John, John Waters came in as like a tabloid photographer. And if, do you know anything about John
1: Waters? Not a lot, but I, I definitely know who he is.
0: Well, he, okay, so I got a chance to actually see him talk at the Tower Theater. The Sundance Institute brought him in to talk. And I got to go see him talk years ago at the Tower <laughs> Theater. And the guy is, he's an independent filmmaker. He's from Baltimore. And he's the one who created Hairspray. And uh, Divine was like his best friend, but he did like Pink Flamingos and a lot of these early films. He's an older guy, so he started making films like in the 60s and 70s. And then got to a point where, you know, he actually went mainstream and was, uh, his films were distributed by studios, like with Hairspray.
1: But yeah, I was just about to say yes. And didn't he, he did, did he do Cry Baby or was that somebody else?
0: Uh, he did. He did. He's got the little teeny mustache. He's a very thin guy. Yeah. He was. <laughs> yeah. He, well, he he's great. He's the most realistic people you'll ever meet. The guy is so authentic. He said he likes to go hitchhiking on the interstate. That's how he likes to meet people. <laughs> and he likes. He was telling me about like uh, all these guys that he knows on death row in in Maryland that he goes and visits. <laughs> and his early films are just over the top and he said that like for somebody to to vomit in one of his movies would be to him a standing ovation
1: like that kind of physical response
0: (laughs) yeah yeah he he's so fun to talk to he's so different really nice guy though very down to earth he he'll talk to anybody he's great But if you read up on him, interesting guy. He, at one point, and you know I'm into movie props, at one point he had one of the original screen-used hockey masks from Friday the 13th. Oh, no way. Yeah, from part six. And he put it outside of his house, like, uh, I don't know if it was on the front door or in the bushes, but it got stolen, but it got returned. He got it back again. But this is like an original Jason hockey mask. And he put it out, like, just as a decoration for Halloween. And of course, you know that like when I read stories like that, I I fall apart. That's like makes me cringe.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, who the fuck does that? It's right, right.
0: He just doesn't care. I mean, he's just a John Waters. a free spirit. Yeah, free spirit. Great guy. We uh we end with like Kevin Williamson who brought us scream. And um, I know you you love Scream, and I was reading a little bit about him, and he actually he brought us Scream, but he also says, I don't like horror movies, I hate them. But if you can make emotional horror movies, I'm in. And he talks about his love of Halloween. And I think that's probably why it was referenced in the first Scream movie. He, he loves Jamie Lee's Curtis, but it's about the characters and you caring about the characters. He, he does like that. But just in generally hates horror movies.
1: <laughs> that is, That is, for one, ironic, but fucking hilarious. I mean well shit i mean if it, if if that's how he feels and he's creating these movies then so be it keep on hating horror movies i guess
0: right 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 i mean and you know he's a gay guy you know here you got three three people that are bringing all these these epic horror movies into Iconic. into the world. Yeah. yeah yeah so now where are we today so you know that's as we've kind of looked at like the evolution of of horror movies from psycho You know, and then into the 80s where we start to, like, take on different risky themes like the the transgender and homosexual characters, leather bars, like in Nightmare (laughs) on 2 Part 2, the gym teacher getting slapped with a towel, you know, the snake around, you know, Mark's neck, Jesse's neck. Um, And now we have today, IT Chapter 2... Where we have a gay bashing happen, and then if it's not bad enough, that these guys, you know, get beat up, and then when they're down on their luck, uh, Pennywise eats one of them.
1: You know, I think he like nuzzles his neck. I didn't see like viciousness from it. I felt like it was kind of like an under the bridge hookup situation. <laughs> so uh
0: yeah, that's a stretch, man, with his teeth <laughs> when he's biting into the chest. But you know, and, and we talked about this before. I know a lot of people say, Well, that's that's wrong. You shouldn't be showing gay bashing, but unfortunately, it is something that gay people have to deal with. It's sad. I think that trans people are are really getting abused right now. It seems like there's more cases with trans people really getting victimized, which is sad. Then you have Halloween kills, and you have Big John and Little John. You have a gay couple.
1: Yes, yep.
0: And uh, and Michael decides to take both of them out.
1: I, for one, the representation in such a massive movie, a massive cult classic film, I thought was incredible. But the it's a double edged sword for me because of the cliche again was still there for the most part and it wasn't as in your face as it has been in other movies everybody plays that cliche gay character or that stereotype it wasn't as bad but nonetheless it was still there I, w- I wish there would have been again more of a a fight more of a come on gays, let's see what you can do kind of thing. But I have mixed feelings to say the least. I don't know. What What are your thoughts?
0: I was not a, a fan of the movie. I did kind of smirk because it's like, when you realize, oh, you know, these, these two, that's a gay couple. And here you've got a major franchise Halloween. Um, I mean, I'm glad that Michael Meyer, I'm glad they didn't write it where it's like Michael goes in and Oh, these are gay people. We're not going to kill gay people. It's like, it's Michael Myers. He doesn't care if you're a kid, you're an old man, whatever. <laughs> He's going to kill you. Yeah. But I was actually happy. I just did not like the movie. I loved it. Chapter two. I thought it was really well produced, really well filmed. Great script. Halloween kills. It's like, I mean, I guess, I don't know if big John, little John and Halloween two or Halloween kills rather. I wish that it had been a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish that they would would bring these guys into the mainstream and in, in better films or, or just make better horror movies. I don't know. And then have gay characters. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, it's just it was cool to see gay characters. It just was. I don't know. It was a kind of a silly film. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to, to my to my firefighter friends, I'm sorry that you all got slaughtered. that was that was kind of sad but um Uh. so now something that we talked about earlier in the podcast let's go back to it and and talk about it they them uh bloom house to debut kevin bacon's gay conversion horror film on peacock now for those that are listening i don't know where you've been living if you haven't heard of gay conversion therapy because it's a pretty controversial subject but it pops up in the news here and there telling somebody that's gay well no this is a choice you don't have to do this we're going to get you into some treatment and we're going to get you (laughs) and again I'm saying this based on sarcasm but we're going to get you normal again I think it's going to be a big trigger for people especially like Utah that's where a lot of conversion therapy has happened and if you've ever seen eight the Mormon proposition they talk about this that it was uh, pushed by the Mormon church and I think a lot of religious groups push conversion therapies, claiming that being homosexual is a choice. It's, it's not something that's genetic. I think it's amazing um, that this movie is going to happen, and I, I really hope they do a good job with it. The fact that Kevin Bacon is in it, Robbie, I think that that probably means it's going to be pretty decent. I don't think he's going to be in a total piece of shit.
1: well uh (laughs) let's hope not now that you said that um right uh, so you because you sent me the article for it and i hadn't even i hadn't even heard of it until you sent that to me Mm -hmm. but reading through that article i am so goddamn excited about this Mm -hmm. to mention what you to kind of like talk about what you just said about triggering people Mm -hmm. i agree it may be it may be that little bit of ptsd that people are going to you know either feel while they're watching the film or either just not want to be bothered with for fear of having you know these flashbacks or these emotions rise from the depths of what they've experienced and what they've gone through through this conversion that they've experienced in their life which is fucking terrible right. but Also, I feel as though, and and, and I'm speaking from, you know, my own personal opinion, because I was not, you know, sent to any kind of conversion therapy or anything along those lines. In my eyes, I feel as though that this is a great opportunity for conversion therapy to be be taken a little bit more seriously than it has been in the past, especially in Utah, is spoken about more so than i think other places within the you know the country i think since this is going to be hopefully on the main screen and people are going to be attending this because of kevin kevin bacon's name being on it people are going to be exposed to this and maybe just maybe look at researching conversion therapy see how big of an issue it is and how it's still continually happening today you know of course one of the biggest ones being here in utah Um, Which, as far as I'm aware, if my research is correct, that it was, you know, something that was uh, put on by the church, the the LDS church, the Mormon church. But um, I think in the somewhat recent past, recent being, you know, five or six years ago, maybe a little bit more, the church came out and said that they don't have any affiliation with the conversion therapy camp. I think it's also called, or was, or is still, I'm not sure, called Evergreen. And it was a facility where they sent all kinds of youth or maybe more other than that. I'm not sure exactly what the age range was, but nonetheless they would send these kids there to quote unquote fix them and make them realize, make these people that were LGBT LGBTQ plus make them realize that, you know, what they were feeling was a choice and it was wrong. And with a, with whatever, fucking terrible methods that they used within these conversion therapy places you know it really fucked people up one of my uh, really good friends passed away years and years and years ago he was sent to evergreen and he came back and actually after he came back we first started chatting uh online unfortunately after you know being friends for roughly close to a year he ended up taking his own life because of the different, the different things that were going on with him. His uh, he was adopted uh, from another country, um, and his family was v- very, very well known in the LDS community. Um, and they sent him to this uh, this to Evergreen to get him again, quote unquote, fixed. And when he came back, he was extremely uh messed up to say to for lack of a better word mentally he told me some of the things that they did to him which not to go into detail involved a lot of barbaric methods and he came back you know on medication and struggling with his thoughts and his emotions and everything and then you know a year after coming back he took his own life and it was I think that's what really kind of triggered it for me is that I do, you know, not to go into too much emotional depth in this, but uh, it, it it does hit home for me. So when you, again, when you sent this article to me about this, I'm very passionate about this kind of this, this subject.
0: I can understand so, why now.
1: Yeah. I, Uh, Anyway, so uh, I think I hope to God that the the positive of this movie is going to bring conversion therapy camps or facilities or whatever they may be to light and people are going to see how fucking terrible and how barbaric and how goddamn awful these places are to try to fix someone that doesn't need fixing based off of religious persecution or bigotry or bias or whatever it may be. It's its just bullshit, in my opinion. So these facilities need to be shut down. And the only way they can be shut down is by being exposed for what they're fucking doing. I, You know, again, I hope this film not only exposes conversion therapy, but also brings to light, it, it gives people that have gone through this justice. It, it helps them feel as though they're being heard. And the shit that they've been through it, it isn't isn't for anything. It's there's going to be justice, you know, made at some point. And I, I might be reading into it too much, but that's my fucking. That's what I hope. I don't know. And and you know, when this film comes out, of course, I plan on seeing it. But also, I I plan on doing my due diligence in exposing stuff and maybe bringing stuff to life, whether it be through social media or word of mouth. You're <laughs> anybody anybody that uh. You know, shit follows me or social media, whatever it may be. They're gonna get real tired of it real soon. But nonetheless, I I want this shit to be exposed. So thank you for coming to my TED talk. Um, but <laughs> on the positive
0: note, well, I'm just I, uh... I, I'm sorry to hear about your friend, and I'm sorry that you 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 went through this and witnessed this. I I hope that I I can't help but think about like the family, and I I wonder if they say. I would think the right thing to do would be to, to come out and say, we made a mistake doing this. This is not the way to approach somebody dealing with their sexuality is to go to this type of conversion therapy. And I think that, and, I, and I, I, this is a completely different subject, but I'm pretty sure psychiatrists, psychologists have come out and said that this sort of conversion therapy is damaging and it's not healthy. And it's sad that it still exists. Mm-hmm. But um, that's very sad that there has to be yet another tragedy because of it. Yep. <sighs> Well, you know how to end the podcast, right? God damn,
1: that got real heavy real quick. My apologies, everybody. As they're just driving to work, listening to this, they're like, "Well, now that I'm depressed, cool."
0: Right? Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna listen to Gay Florida Man anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, I guess we can about- just.
1: Let's just talk about butt stuff now and just right. get everybody back on track.
0: Let's, let's stick with the butt stuff. It's a lot more fun. <laughs> so, you've been listening. Then we're gonna close this out, Robbie. Any final thoughts?
1: Uh for one, it, you know, to, to again leave on a on a on a more positive note, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie that's coming out, again, I am so excited for it for the fact that. If you, please look into this movie. Um, it's going it, to, even in the synopsis, it literally says that this, you know, there's LGBTQ plus youth. Don't want to give too much information away, but look it up. And I think that this is the opportunity for, you know, the LGBTQ plus community to be in the spotlight and to show that there's strength and power in community. And I think this is going to be, groundbreaking and it sucks that it's taken this long for something like this to happen but nonetheless it is on its way out and this is gonna i i hope this is the beginning of more you know lgbtq plus individuals or characters in these films being the final person you know of course we're familiar with that final girl kind of concept but I want it to be a final gay. I want it to be a final trans. I want it to be a final, whatever it may be, however they identify other than that heterosexual, that girl with big ass boobs in a wife beater. That's soaked. <laughs> well, you know ax Don't but, get me wrong. That's great too. But I, in I so wa- many, you know, <laughs> you, bring
0: up, you bring up a, a, a different point, but like most of like your, your, uh, your survivors of like horror movies. Typically that you know remember if you go back to like Friday the 13th, and Friday the 13th is always my go to and today the day we're recording it's Friday the 13th. But typically your one your your surviving girl typically doesn't put out. She doesn't do the drugs and she doesn't put out, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why she survives because she didn't do this bad stuff that is going to basically bring karma in the form of a hockey mask killer. Or a William Shatner mask killer. Or a scream mask killer. <laughs> well, you know, the moral of the story is if we would just listen to these writers, don't partake in drugs and don't partake in premarital sex and you'll be fine.
1: So we're all fucked, yeah, Mark, well, is right, what I'm right. getting at. So. No, that,
0: you don't <laughs> get fucked because if you get fucked, then Jason's going to get you, Robbie. Uh, well I'm going to go out
1: I'm going to go out just having a great time so it's whatever
0: right don't drink alcohol don't smoke that marijuana cigarette
1: the ganja okay yeah, all right duly do noted I'm going to make I'm going to got a sticky note around here somewhere to write this down
0: <laughs> note to self <laughs> all right well that uh, that concludes episode three of the Gay Florida Man uh, thank you so much for joining us I end this with the same words. I'm going to try to remember this every time. And that is, be good. And if you can't be good, be good at it. And if you're sitting in a prison cell somewhere, you're not good at it. Have a great night, everybody. Happy Friday the 13th.